Good evening. You've heard the reading from our Old Testament scripture in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. I want to add to this reading a New Testament scripture that will connect the importance of us connecting with someone else when we're doing kingdom business. I want to read your, into your hearing Matthew 18, verses 18 through 20, where it reads, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. My prayer this evening is that God would give us awe, that he might move us to doing what it is that he's assigned to our hands with the right people. If I had to tag a topic to this message, the message would be called, we can do this. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what am I doing here? When others around you seem to be moving forward, accomplishing, achieving, and pushing ahead, have you ever wondered why you didn't make the progress you wanted, planned, and strategized to make? What am I doing here is a reality-facing question. The late Linda Hollies, a well-known Methodist pastor and author says, it's an existential problem that shows up whenever we begin to challenge our presence in a situation or a circumstance. It becomes a prayer, God help me, please. It's a plea for the grace of God to move us out of our current location. It expresses a persistent need for divine intervention to assist us in getting up, get moving, and moving ahead. Everybody listening to this message over the age of 25 have some idea of what I'm talking about. I can tell you from personal experience that sometimes the stuff in our lives has been so overwhelmingly powerful that our only response is to sit. There are times in all of our lives that we have to deal with unexpected calamities, unforeseen disappointments, messed up plans, delayed dreams, unrealized visions, dashed hopes, unfulfilled goals, and unwelcome visitations of negative forces like sickness and death, love affairs gone wrong, and children who won't stay gone. Any one of these attacks can cause us to stagnate, to vegetate, to ruminate, and just plain sit. We sit and try to figure out how to move, but we can't. We sit and try to muster up some strength, but we don't. We sit and want to ask somebody for help, but we never do. We sit and begin to be analytical about why we can't move. We sit and blame others for our situation to decide and decide that it really isn't our fault that we haven't gone anywhere. We say that we're waiting for the right time to come, but it never does, so we sit. Our inability to get up, get started, and get finished what we set started is legendary as we recall the many projects and unfinished items that we began. There are many letters and cards that I've bought and thought that I was going to write and send out, but I never started. We have good intentions, but we get stuck. When this occurs, we must remember who we are and whose we are. We are children of the Most High God and nothing is impossible with Him and no trial or tribulation is bigger than God. People of God, I'm convinced that we are in one of three phases in our life. We either just got out of some dilemma, we, we're in some dilemma, or a dilemma is on our, its way to our address. 
But we're stormy weather people as believers, and good morning heartache has been our song of praise at one point or another. But thanks be to God, he doesn't leave us there because he loves us too much. In Numbers 13, verse 30, Caleb silenced the people and said, Let's go up at once and take possession, for surely we can do it. Certainly do what you may ask. I stopped this evening to tell you, you can certainly conquer the things that are hindering your next move in God. You can certainly take back the things that the enemy has stolen from you, and you can certainly gain possession of everything that God has for you. Moses sent out 12 men to spy the land and they were about to that they were about to possess. 10 of them came back saying it couldn't be done. Two came back with the confidence and faith that if God was on their side, they could certainly take possession of the land. But the 10 didn't see themselves as conquerors. They saw themselves as grasshoppers because they were afraid. But 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says that God did not give us the spirit of fear, but he gave us the spirit of power and love and a well-balanced mind, discipline and self-control. We have to know who's on the team with us when we go to do kingdom work. As believers, we show up as willing vessels, not because we're stagnant. Neither are we here because we're obstinate or don't believe that we can conquer the land that has been promised to us, but rather because we serve an awesome God who is willing and able to do exceeding and abundantly above anything we could ask or imagine. But it's according to the level of faith that is working in each one of us. We sit, waiting, wondering what God is going to do next. I declare in the strong name of Jesus that God is waiting on you to make a move. God is not the problem. Our procrastination and, and disobedience is a distraction. Saints, I believe we chase distractions because we are trying to wrap our minds around the thought that God is calling us to do something when we know ourselves. We have a hard time believing that God can trust us to be concerned about his people, the people who are lost, the people who are broken, and or that he would trust us to be his hands and feet in the earth realm. We can't believe that God will call us to do anything because we look at ourselves and think that God looks at us, at us the same way. We've got work to do, inner and outer work. We can't keep seeing a grasshopper when we look in the mirror. We must begin to focus on what's going on around us and say to ourselves that we are more than a conqueror and that we can conquer many issues. Issues like the health issues and how healthcare is being affected due to the instability of our government. We can conquer and take down the systems that have kept people of color and indigenous people oppressed for over 400 years. We can conquer and pray for marriages that are failing and pray for the impact of how they are being affected. We can conquer and, and focus on our children and how they are dying in the streets. We can conquer our economic situation when we hold those in leadership responsible. We've got to be ready to speak out against racism and sexism and ageism and any other isms that are separating us and excluding any de demographic of people. We've got to be able to serve the com communities that the Lord has sent us to. And finally, we must come against the spirit of defeat, the spirit of 
hopelessness and the spirit of fear. The prophet Amos asked in his third chapter of our Bible, how can two walk together except they agree? Matthew 18 says pretty much the same thing. Again and truly, I tell you, if any two of you agree on earth about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Numbers 13 that we read into your hearing tells us that it, it's important that we go out with somebody when we're doing kingdom work. We've got to come together as the body of Christ, praying, touching, and agreeing with one another. This evening, I want to encourage you to be counted in that number of people who are ready to go in and possess the land. I want to encourage you that the land is already yours. The land, you might ask, what land, preacher? The land that you know has been promised to you and your ancestry. The land I speak of is the land of business ownership, the land of home ownership, the land of raising a family in a healthy manner, the land of being the lender and not the borrower, the land of being the head and not the tail. It's time out for us remaining in bondage to our current situations because we see ourselves as grasshoppers. When we serve an all-loving, all-powerful God, who told us in Jeremiah 29 and 11, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future and an expected end. We've got to stop settling for whatever politicians want to dish out to us after they've been elected, when they've promised to do so much more before the election. Why aren't we sitting in their offices refusing to leave until we are heard? I think the protesters in the street right now are demonstrating that it's time to take possession of everything that has been promised. No one should be surprised about their anger or their angst. As we mourn the loss of John Lewis this week, we all need to get into some good trouble. We can't help but think about the civil rights movement and all it did to move this country forward, but some of us got comfortable. We were lulled to sleep because many of us thought we had arrived. What happened to the enthusiasm and determination of the 60s where we stood for something, where we fought for what we believed in, where we came together as a community? I'm so glad to see the movement that is taking place right now. And I don't believe the 2020 protesters are gonna just settle for anything. I don't believe that they would get up every day and continue marching and fighting if they didn't think that their work was making a difference. We must not and cannot depend on somebody else to do our job, our kingdom work of reconciliation and social justice. Isaiah tells us, that the government shall be upon our shoulders as believers. So it's our job to get this done. We have to come together with a common focus, with a common vision, put our personal agendas on the back burner and fight for the cause of a larger people, which brings us to the invitation to become a beloved community. When the children of Israel refused to enter into the promised land for the first time, that was a cardinal sin because they refused to believe that God would do what he said he would do. I don't know who this message is for, but if he said it, that settles it. If he told you something was going to happen, then walk in the confidence of that promise. If you don't remember anything else that I say this evening, remember this. Don't allow the enemy of doubt. Don't allow the ad adversary of wonder or the, the devil to consume any of your thoughts that you know you heard the Lord say. Can, I dare not act like there have not been times when I didn't trust God.
Can I get some real folk to admit that there has been a time or two when you know God told you something, but the things that were going on in your life didn't look like God knew your name, let alone your situation. So you find yourself thinking like the 10 spies, there ain't no way I'm going to be able to do this. I know that's not good grammar, but it's good theology. I don't care what the prophet said. I don't care what the leader said. I don't care what this preacher is saying. And I'm definitely not thinking about Joshua and Caleb. This is where we've lost trust. This is clearly grasshopper thinking. For some reason, we just can't see our past our current situation. And we start to look at our circumstances like the, ten descendant, like the 10 when they looked at the descendants of Anak who were giants. Even though the Israelites had had some experience since their departure about the grace of God and knew that God was completely trustworthy. They felt like what God was asking them to do seemed impossible. But God specializes in those things that seem impossible. If you believe that God is asking you to do something that you don't need his help with to accomplish, I want to go out on a limb and say, that's probably not God. Because God thinks big when he thinks. And when he does what he does, he gives it to us like Ephesians 3 and 20. He gives us something that is exceeding and abundantly above anything we could ask or imagine. Come with me for a moment back to the scriptures in the 18th chapter of Matthew's gospel. Jesus made three promises. There's a promise of providence, a promise of provision, and a promise of presence. Walk with me if you would. In verse 18, there's a promise of God's providence. The scripture says that certainly whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what does that mean, Lisa? That means that we have the authority to bind sickness. We have the authority to bind poverty. We have the authority to bind racism, to bind anything that takes us outside of the realm of what God is calling us to be and do. And loose whatever we need in the earth realm. We have the ability to loose peace, to loose well-being, to loose love with one another. We already know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we've got to stop fighting each other and start warring against those spirits that are trying to exalt themselves against the knowledge of who God says he is. We've got to take authority because, God, because of God's providence. And then in verse 19, there's the promise of God's provision. It says that if any two of us, not just the rich, not just the European, not just the in crowd, not just anybody who has it all together, but any two of us would agree on earth concerning anything that we ask. Jesus said, not Lisa, not the president, but the promise keeper, not the preacher, but Jesus said that if we ask believing that it will be done for us by his father in heaven, that means that if we are in agreement with a prayer partner and ask the Father in the name of Jesus, that he has promised to respond. But we must ask in faith. If we don't believe he's going to do it, why bother asking? So there's a promise of providence, a promise of provision. And then finally, there's a promise in verse 20 of God's presence. The scripture says that where two or three are gathered together in his name, he would be in our midst. In this time of pandemic and social distancing, aren't you glad that you may have to distance from people, but God is a present help? 
Aren't you glad the church building is not the determining factor, but our belief in our faith? And all we need is another believer and we can move mountains. Aren't you glad your, your bank balance or your 401k isn't what's going to get you in? Aren't you glad your marital status or your job title isn't what God is responding to, but rather his word? Can you imagine what we could do if we really band together? Can you imagine what would happen if we connect our gifts to one another and we made a commitment to get ministry done? I'm glad I'm not on this journey alone. I'm glad I operate with a committed group of people who don't see themselves as grasshoppers. And we're willing to take a stand in agreement that we are all conquerors. How do I know? Because we're learning to not be afraid to say what needs to be said and to do what needs to be done. And I'm grateful that as we continue to pray for this city, that we get to be a, a part of God's kingdom coming to the earth. Yes, we can do this. Yes, we can do it because God can do anything and we can do anything through him. But he's going to work through his people. He's waiting on us to humble ourselves, to seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. And he will hear from heaven and heal our land. People of God, we can do this. The word says that if we ask anything in his name, that Jesus is faithful to reward those who diligently seek him, even if it's just two of us. Jesus has already promised that he would be in our midst. So are you Joshua and Caleb or one of the 10? We can do this. We can take back our communities. We can do this. We can take back our schools and educate our children without compromising our integrity. We can do this. We can nurture and encourage our families and love each other. And the beauty is we don't have to do it alone. We can touch and agree with one another. And if God is with us, what difference does it make who's against us? We can do this.